the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Grabeel. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. Uh, as always, if you've been following along the past couple of years, um, I like to put out an episode once a month that's 15 to 20 minutes. It's educational. And then we get lucky from time to time with some really quality interviews. And that's what I'm bringing you today. Uh, we've got Paige Velasquez, buddy, on with us. And Paige is the CEO at Zilker Media, an Austin-based marketing agency. Um, she's been featured as a speaker on digital marketing strategy. She's led workshops at national venues such as Harvard Medical School, uh, Austin's own Alamo Draft House, Zilker Park, Hilton Hotel, and for organizations such as the Women's President Organization, Women's President's Organization. Really stoked to have you on. Thanks for making the time for us, Paige. Thank you so much, Jared, for having me on. Absolutely. I'm really excited about this. Um, this was an opportunity. You know, there's honestly, when I think, you know, who's my next interview? Because this this show is really tailored around the monthly short educational teachings. And then literally, I don't just say it to say it, but I get lucky with interviews um, because I'm always like, who do I want to interview? And I'm a Christian. I'm a faith-led leader. And so a lot of times uh, I'll pray about it. And I, I almost hate hearing mm-hmm. Christians say that, like I'll pray about it. But I do. I'm like, who do I want on? And I think God will gotta bring somebody to me. And so then your assistant <laughs> reaches out to me and I'm like, this is fantastic, you know, um, especially with some of the things we get to talk about today. Um, I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to jump right in. Paige, how did you get into marketing and advertising? Um, I kind of want to hear the story that led to you becoming the CEO of your own agency. Yeah, this has been just a really interesting path for me. So just to start what Zilker Media does. So we build what we call people-driven brands. Um, So we focused really on just bringing to life mission-driven thought leadership for individuals and brands. So ultimately, they're able to cultivate their own communities online and off. And so um, just about more on my path, getting into marketing in general. Um, When I entered college at the University of Texas at Austin, I actually had it in my mind that I was going to be a lawyer, which I have no idea why. It just sounded like a good career path at the time. You know, one of those things you go into college and you think you're either going to be a doctor or a lawyer. That was me. Um, But I had been a musician growing up. So I always just had this creative field um, throughout school. and, And it felt like in my studies on this path, I wasn't getting that creative element. And that was just a personal thing. It was missing for me. Um, So I started just taking a few communications courses and ended up falling in love just with the art of storytelling and marketing. And I also did just a lot of different internships and part-time jobs throughout college to discover really what elements of marketing I enjoyed because there's so much you can do in this space. And so at one point, I was doing three internships and one part-time job all in one semester, which is just crazy. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. (laughs) But I found through all of those experiences, my love centered around building communities for others. And that looked different in each one. Um, But I think that that came from where I grew up. And I grew up in a small town in West Texas called Odessa. And really, through my time there, I was just influenced by my parents 
and my grandparents and teachers and mentors on the importance and value of community. And when you're in a small town like that, you know everybody. And so um, it's all about the village of people that you have surrounding you. So um, right out of college, I joined a book marketing agency um, called Shelton Interactive. And this is where we focused on representing more than 30 New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling authors. And so during that time at Shelton Interactive, our team really honed in on our passion for representing personal brands. We just didn't know it at the time. We were doing book campaigns, but what it really centered around was the author. And there, we had those authors that we worked with time and time again that wrote you know, three to four books. And it was all about the personal brand and the community that we were building along the way. Um, and that agency ended up being acquired in 2016 uh, by a publishing company um, in another state. And this acquisition also provided our team just with an opportunity to represent several other authors who were more focused in the business space. So we had a lot of healthcare professionals. We had a lot of financial advisors. Um, so again, we just learned from their the, the power of thought leadership, the power of personal branding, and how that can lead to growth in their companies as well. Um, I took a year after that and went into politics and led digital um, for a statewide campaign, which is a whole nother avenue of, yeah. of marketing and advertising. And it was just a crazy time in my life, a really exciting time in my life, but um, just, just jumping off and doing something incredibly different. Um, other than the publishing space. And I also learned a lot there about the power of personal branding in a different way and how that can um, influence legislative initiatives. And, and that was really fun to see all of that come to light. Um, but, but post acquisition and in the middle of my um, one year political career, I guess you could say, um, our founder, Rusty Shelton, um, he's the founder of Zilker Media, and he was also the founder and CEO of Shelton Interactive, that original agency I started out at. Um, he had the vision to start a new kind of agency that provided this end-to-end -end brand management for people-driven brands. And so I joined uh, the Zilker Media team in the first year um, alongside two of our other founding team members. So we were a really small team at first. Um, and I was just excited about that vision and mission for our agency and just the opportunity to really lead our team through this next chapter where we were learning um, how to really move forward the needle and build that mission-driven thought leadership for others. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> and so how did you go from being an employee to CEO? Like, what was that process like? Yeah, it wasn't really something that we we sought out to do. It just kind of happened. Um, I originally came on as the digital marketing director, um, so opened up that department. And then about, I would say it was a year into the company, um, the Rusty, the founder, and I sat down and he he shared with me that he really wanted to bring um, me into the CEO role, um, shared why he thought I was ready for that because it took some convincing, <laughs> um, but also just um, sharing the vision and sharing um, the excitement about it and, and thinking about this next chapter and what that looks like. Um, it, it ended up being a really exciting time and we did a slow transition. We did a full year transitioning internally with the team. 
which I think was was very intentional for everyone involved. And so by the time it was publicly announced, it had already been fully integrated into our team. That's great. And so how many people are on the Zilker Media team now? Yeah, so we have 12 um, full-time team members now. That's awesome. And you guys cover, you know, because the, the funny thing about being a, a media agency or a marketing agency is that could mean different things for different people. People think especially right. in 2020, you think marketing and you think <laughs> social media, but there's so much more to that web. Um, what all do you guys cover? Yeah, so we essentially have um, two departments in our agency. One is public relations. So we actually have publicists on our team that do media outreach on behalf of our clients and secure media hits for our clients. Um, the other side of our agency is our brand strategy team. So that encompasses quite a few things. Um, we have um, social media management in-house. We have strategy um, brand building in-house. We also have a creative lead in-house who does all of the branding creation, ideation, um, the look and feel of brands. Um, we do everything from social media advertising to email marketing. Um, we also do quiz marketing where we actually have our own quiz software system um, that we build assessments on for our clients as more of a, a lead generation tool. That's awesome. With, with you, um, you know, working your way through the ranks instead of like, starting your own company, were there any obstacles as a female? I mean, it's 2020, so that's a lot different than it was 5, 10, 20 years ago. Um, but have you experienced any pushback because of that? Um, I wouldn't say I've experienced any pushback from being a female. I've been um, incredibly supported throughout my career by males and other females. I think the biggest thing uh, when it came to obstacles was, was myself. So um, I had to overcome throughout my career a lot of negative self-talk and, and get that out of my head. And I spent so much time early in my professional life just worried about everything I thought I couldn't do. And ultimately, it ended up setting invisible boundaries for myself. And I think a lot of that in the beginning had to do with my age and just telling myself I couldn't do something yet or I wasn't ready for it yet. Um, but turning this mindset around just has really allowed me to accelerate my vision, accelerate my goals. And it's also made a big difference in the way I have approached leadership and throughout the year. So, you know, Positive self-talk needs to be a priority for me, but it also is good to practice this with my team as well and teach them how to have positive self-talk. So especially team members who are early on in their career, um, also with a lot of women, that's you know more of a, a common thing is just, just pushing that self-talk out of your head and turning it around into a positive manner. Why do you think that women need I don't want to say more help with that, but just based off what you just said, not my assumptions, but based off sure. what you just said, why do you think that is that um, women maybe more than men need to work on the positive self-talk side in order to grow, like to take leadership mm -hmm. roles and initiative in that area? Yeah, I think, you know, there, there's a natural confidence gap and there's a really good book um, that we worked on called The Confidence Code. Um, several years back by Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman, and they did a whole study on this, the confidence gap between men and women in the workplace. Um, and I think just for women, sometimes it's harder 
to get that negative self-talk out of their head um, and, and really focusing in on how do, how do we close that moving forward. And a lot of that is, is visualizing. I do a lot of visualizing exercises, um, but it's also you know, talking yourself up before, before you go into a situation um, just to have that confidence and, and make it come naturally. Do you think, because I'm fascinated with psychology as it pertains to adults and children and, and how we learn things and adapt. And so it makes me think like as kids, you know, you, you look at new, like parents of young children, they usually let mm-hmm. the little boy kind of like get dirty and scrape up his knees, but the girl is usually babied more. And so, you know, obviously because it's like, well, I don't want my little girl getting hurt, you know, it's like, Right, a little boy, you probably learn to ride the bike faster because they're like, "Oh, he'll be fine. He's a boy," you know. And so we we tend to just based off of Western culture, we tend to maybe protect little like young girls more. Do you think that has anything to do with that confidence gap? Because boys, you know, as we grow into men, we're like, "Oh, I'll, I'll just try it," because like <laughs> that's what I did. I got on the bike and I fell seven times until I right. I didn't. And girls are more like, oh, be careful. You know, the parents are like, be careful. We don't want you getting hurt. You know what I mean? Do you think that that plays a role, like your fear of failure being greater than the average male mm-hmm. because of that? you think that has something to do with it? It might be. I think for me, um, you know, one one big thing that I've I've realized um, just, just going into this journey of why I'm having seven negative self-talk, it's you know, I, I was pretty heavily bullied as a child and I started to really care about what other people thought. And I got so timid about being confident and going out there and making an accept and, and really, you know, sharing my vision with others and sharing my goal with others. I started being really quiet about everything um, and, and being scared to be vocal about that. And so for me, that's where it came from was more of just that um, insecurity after being bullied for for a long time growing up. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, common for everyone. And I certainly know women out there who are extremely confident and they don't have a problem with this. Um, but I, I think it, I think it's the root of it is different for every single person. Sure. Yeah. So with you, you've mentioned like some ways that you've overcome the, the confidence gap. Um, one was self-talk. Um, what are some other things that you do to, yeah. you know, uh, fill the gap? <laughs> sure. Um, visualization is a really big one for me. Um, so just visualizing before I go into a situation that I might be nervous about or I want to be extremely intentional about and um, just visualizing how how that would go, especially um if I have, you know, a speech coming up or something like that, I, I always visualize being in the room ahead of time. That always helps. Um, I, I read a lot and, you know, make sure that I'm up to date on day-to-day knowledge. I subscribe to different newsletters. And um, Smart Brief Social Business is one of my favorites. Um, and that means, you know, I'm equipped going into day-to-day. I know what's going on in my industry and I feel confident going into those conversations. So um, a lot of different tips. I'll say visualization has made the biggest difference for me um, as I've gone into situations, just, just feeling more prepared. Yeah, that's great. And I love how, because we have this quantify, like we can really, like you said, you, you, you're up to date, right? So we know that right. 
the intelligence and the competency associated with accomplishment is, is important, but at the same time you visualize. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that we, you know, I used to be into bodybuilding and then powerlifting and I'm, I'm, I'm a CrossFitter now for what that's worth, but going into lifts as a powerlifter, you would like train your brain to picture yourself doing a certain mm-hmm. weight. And the key was knowing like, you're not just going to pick this thing up. You're, you're going to struggle. So you need to picture the struggle, you know? So it was always fascinating trying to find what's the perfect visual visualization to like reach this actual goal. I was reading actually yesterday um, an article by Paulina something. She writes the profile. It's a really great newsletter um, on how celebrities create alter egos in order mm. to like fill their own gap. And really what that is, is just a kind of a, um, a pitch way to say, uh, visualization, right? So like right. <laughs> Beyonce created like this, I guess, Sasha Fierce, you know, I don't, I've just read about it yesterday, but the name sounds familiar. <laughs> and, um, when she went to perform, like she just became that person, right? Like, so the question right. was, you know, if you're going to maybe speak on stage, like what does a great public speaker look like when they do this? I need to be that person at least for the next hour when I go on stage. Um, so I loved that. And then just the studies and the evidence that show like you can be an introvert, but still be a public speaker. You can, yeah, you know, you can have your private social life, but still be very active in the community. You just need to picture it. Um, and then be prepared. I love that. I think that's some sound practical advice. Um, so in your opinion, we've talked a little bit about leadership so far. What makes a good leader? Like what are some characteristics if you had to choose maybe only one or at the most three, like what are the three most important character traits for a leader and, and uh, what would they be? I would say number one, um, having culture as your first priority is extremely important. So at the end of the day, the, the culture that you help create is what makes everything fun and rewarding. And it's going to be the best motivator there is to your team to have them all rowing in the same direction. So um, any good leader needs to have culture top of mind at all times and help foster that. Um, Number two, I would say another one, um, a good leader must have humility or maybe it's even self-awareness. So it's important to be okay with the fact that you're not always going to have the answer. Um, And it's important that you work to hire and surround yourself with people that are better and smarter than you, especially in their specific function. And and as a leader, you should never be the smartest person in the room. And you want a team and company that is stronger than you, because that means they can do more than you ever could yourself. Um, And then I would say, lastly, if I could pick a third one, it would be resilience. So um, this one was uh, very hard for me to build a lot with, you know, the negative self-talk, but to be resilient to the fact that everything is not going to go perfectly according to your business plan. So there are going to be highs and lows day to day as a leader, Um, especially we have learned this with uh, COVID and the pandemic and how the environment and economy has just shifted so quickly overnight for so many of us and, really at the end of the day, you must do what's right for your team and your clients. And no matter how tough that conversation or decision is going to be. That's great. I think you touched on two things that I want to revisit. The first one being 
COVID, right? We're recording this. It's August 31st, 2020. I don't think uh, mid-March when all this went down, we thought we'd probably still be talking about this, but here we are. Not at all. Um, how has COVID impacted your business? Have you seen a net gain, net loss? Is mm-hmm. it the same? Um, how has that impacted you? Yeah, we, we've seen um, a really steady growth during COVID, which we're, we're really thankful for. Um, a, a lot of companies and people are having to shift their business strategies into more of a digital landscape. Um, they've also had to find new ways to build awareness around their company because events have been shut down. So for a lot of those that are heavy in events or heavy with speaking, um, it's been fun to have the opportunity to get really creative with how do we shift their business plan moving forward. And there's also so many other things that have happened uh, amidst COVID, um, you know, social movements that are ha- that have happened where we've had to shift strategy day to day. Um, so we've gone from an environment where we will we were able to plan out events and campaigns months ahead, you know, book launches months ahead, and we shifted more to a day to day environment um, the past couple of months. And so it's exciting to see the growth, um, but it's also an exciting time to be creative and be nimble in our strategy. That's great. I'm well. One, I'm glad that it didn't negatively impact you. I think it is timely to be one a a digital not only digital but a digital marketing agency um but two to be mission driven like you said earlier when we first started Mm -hmm. talking that you support mainly mission driven companies and you know covid and anything like this these pandemics or economic downturns have a have a way of separating the wheat from the chaff and i think in this particular instance um the wheat from the chaff is mission driven companies or not you know um, right that you know not that having a mission is the, is the one thing that's going to help you survive through a pandemic. Obviously, you have to have a sound structure and standard operating procedures and a great staff and culture and all that fun stuff. But the mission right now, because people are looking to support companies with a mission as opposed to not, you know? Right. Um, so with everything that's shifted, and, and we know the world will never be the same. Hopefully, we won't be talking about COVID this time next year, but mm-hmm. just the landscape has changed. Um, what are you most excited about when you think about the future of, of, of marketing, whether it's digital or in person and, and media brand, you know, building brands, PR, stuff like that? What do you think is most exciting for the future? Yeah, I think, you know, especially as a result of COVID, there's a lot of emphasis on leadership and a lot of emphasis on personal branding. So more than ever, people are watching leadership of companies and, and saying, you know, how are they taking a stance on things? How are they handling the, this pandemic moving forward? What do they have to say? And people are looking for value during this time. So I think this is one thing that we've learned and a few things that have shifted throughout the pandemic is there's more of that emphasis on personal branding when it comes to corporate leaders. Um, But there's also, you know, looking at the future of digital marketing, there's so many shiny objects when it comes to marketing and media. There is a new platform, I swear, that pops up every week, it seems like. And social media platforms change their algorithms regularly. So what we know this week isn't going to be the same four or five weeks from now. Um, But as we continue to advance forward, more people are really starting to embrace what we call that micromedia mindset, which means they're no longer thinking like marketers, but they're thinking as if they were their own media outlet. 
So I believe that we'll have more opportunities to build these media outlets moving forward and grow our communities based on subject matters that we're interested in. And I think that's something that so many are starting to do um, with podcasts, just like you're doing, you know, for, for business leaders. Um, we're, we're moving away from that traditional mass media where we have to invest an hour of our time and only get maybe 10 minutes of what we're really interested in. Um, and now we're able to invest, you know, 30 to 60 minutes of, of full immersed into that subject matter that we're interested in. Yeah, 100% agree. And one thing I wanted to talk with you about, um, because I know you're somewhat of an expert on this, is, is what would you say or what are your, some of your tips for establishing yourself as a thought leader um, in the marketplace? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that the key to thought leadership is the desire to teach your audience and deliver consistent value versus trying to sell to your audience. That's the biggest mistake that we see a lot of thought leaders make is they're focused on selling and marketing. And most typical thought leaders are set just hiding behind their corporate brand that they have dedicated themselves to for several years. Um, what you really want to do is be willing to step out in front of your corporate brand and engage with your audience and customers on a more personal level, ultimately becoming that on-ramp back to your corporate brand. So some leaders, they tend just to they tend to recoil at the thought of personal branding and are a little hesitant to do it because they perceive it as being ego-driven or bragging. And the key to get around that is to approach your thought leadership with the right strategy and mindset to deliver value to ultimately make just a bigger impact. And um, there, there are five things really that you can start doing tangibly um, to establish yourself as a thought leader. Number one is going to be to own your first impression. So, in today's media landscape, the first impression that an individual has of you is no longer happening in person or over the phone. It's happening on page one of Google search results. So if a journalist or a prospective client were to Google your name, are the page one results a good representation of your brand? And that is just an exercise that you can do quickly is Googling your name. And then it's looking at, are you even discoverable? Are you even coming up on page one? Do you have a common name with a big celebrity where you're never going to own page one? And if you're not discoverable, one thing you might consider is changing your name. And, and what I mean by that is um, using your full name. So first name, middle name, and last name, or first name, middle initial, and last name. That one distinct differentiator will allow you to start owning results when someone searches your brand name. Um, the second thing is conducting an online brand audit of yourself. So as you analyze those page one Google search results for your name, really look at those social media profiles that you have created in the past that old YouTube video that populates or an old biography on your LinkedIn. Go through and clean each of those assets up to ensure that the first impression, no matter where someone lands, represents you well. We always forget about that old YouTube video that was filmed in terrible lighting with bad audio that you had your intern help you out with, and those need to come down. So make sure to crawl through anything and everything that might be a representation of you online. 
Um, number three is uh, craft your personal mission statement. And uh, Jared, I saw this is something that you did on your website. And now more than ever, it's important for thought leaders just to speak up, especially during challenging times to really stand up for what they believe in. So if you focus on crafting a short mission statement for your personal brand that also aligns with the goals of your company, that statement will be a guiding light as you start to develop your personal brand and develop content. Um, The fourth thing that you need to do is just involve others in your thought leadership. So my favorite way to use content marketing for thought leadership is as an excuse just to reach out to someone that you want to build a relationship with. And whether you're conducting a podcast or an interview series or writing a piece for a media publication, look for those opportunities to shine the spotlight on other companies and other leaders. And this strategy just really allows you to interact with target relationships on a peer-to-peer level and build goodwill just towards a longer-term relationship. And this is where a lot of individuals get really caught up in their content strategies. It just feels overwhelming, like they have to produce content time and time again. The best way to ease this process is to invite others to help you do that along the way. Um, and then lastly, I'm almost done, <laughs> is, is just having that micromedia mindset that I talked about earlier. So um, not approaching your personal brand with that marketing mindset, but acting as if you were the editor-in-chief of your own media outlet that puts out consistent and valuable content that people just want to gather around time and time again. The opportunity of today's media environment is people are turning away from that generic general mass media, and they're turning towards this micromedia, those newsletters, those podcasts to consume content from people who can teach them something. Hey, that's so good. I appreciate that a ton. And I'm a big fan of numbers. Um, so yeah. uh, I love the one through five. And for everyone listening, if you're driving right now and you weren't able to take notes, I'll put those five things in the show notes. Um, and of course, before we close out today, we'll get the contact information for you and that'll be in our show notes. So if they want to reach out and dig in a little bit deeper, they'll be able to do so. Um, so who's your favorite leader right now? Um, who's someone that you're looking up to a lot right now? Yeah, I'd have to say, um, Sarah Blakely. So she is the the founder and CEO of Spanx. Um, just inspired by her creativity. She has so much spunk and her story is incredible and shows a lot of resilience. She was told no several, several times and and never gave up. And um, I've also been following her on Instagram for a couple of years now. And she's just so real online. And it makes you feel like your old friends. She posted the other day about doing a virtual schooling with her four kids. And she is in the back of the table in her Cheez-Its pajamas and drinking wine. And I'm pretty sure this was the morning. (laughs) But I'm sure this is how a lot of parents are feeling right now. And she's not scared to share those imperfections of her life as well as um, always innovating, always pouring into other entrepreneurs. And um, I was really excited to see her join Shark Tank last season. That's one of my favorite shows, but um, 
she she's just always so much fun, but also just a true entrepreneur, female badass. <laughs> yeah, she is. And it's so ironic because I was thinking about her the other day. I don't know why she popped up in my mind, but like you said, she, I mean, Sarah Blakely is a billionaire. Um, yeah. And to be a billionaire, I don't think uh, we throw the word around a lot these days because there's so many billionaires now, but like a billion dollars mm-hmm. is a thousand million dollars, you know? So like right. <laughs> and a, a million dollars is a thousand thousand dollars. And it's like just so much money. Right. And so it can change you. And so I was, I think mm-hmm. I just saw her in my Instagram feed and I thought like Sarah is so normal. Um, she is. She's not, and I don't know her uh, at all, but like she's not super polished on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, of course, she has her magazine covers and stuff like that from time to time. But like, like you said, she's just in pajamas in certain pictures and like doesn't filter her Instagram stories like crazy to cover right. her shit. You know, it's like it's so refreshing to see that. I mean, today she posted a picture with Warren Buffett, and it's like this girl's hanging out with people like Warren Buffett. This this woman. <laughs> Saying how people like Warren, but you know, it's so inspiring. I love that. Um, yeah, and not only did she get told no, she got laughed out of the room, which, right? Like, I think when we this entrepreneurial journey can be so challenging, and being a leader, whether or not you work for a large corporation or a small business, it can be a challenging, it can be a challenge no matter what, especially hearing no, right? Like, that's such a mm-hmm. ego crusher. But hearing no is one thing. Being laughed out of a room is a totally different thing. I don't think most people could survive that. Like that would, it destroys your ego. You have to be extremely resilient. Um, Right. And you almost have to be like, you have to believe in yourself enough to overcompensate for the hit on your ego because it doesn't matter who you are. Like being laughed out of a room is going to destroy a part of your ego for a little while. So you have enough like spunk to be like, I've still got a little bit of ego left. Like I'm fine today. Um, so yeah, I, I love Sarah Blakely and, and obviously she's done a lot since she came out with her first product. And um, Yeah, she hustled. She, she sold her own product in stores. And that's one of my favorite parts of her story is she would actually go to the department stores and talk to the women who were the consumers of her product and sell to yeah. them directly. Yeah. And it just took off. I mean, this is, huge testament to hard work um and what's what's possible whenever you don't take no for an answer when you believe in your product or your service right so a couple more questions um these are the the real fun ones um for me uh what advice would you tell yourself your 20 year old self mm-hmm. today what what if anything like what what would you tell yourself I would just tell myself to to cut the negative self-talk and, and focus on the end vision in mind and go after it. And I think I, I learned that too late. I wish I would have had, I wish I would have done that earlier. Gotcha. And so another way to think about that, this is a little bit more difficult, but equally as interesting. What do you think the 10 year older version of yourself would tell you today? Oh, <laughs> Ooh, I would say um, probably just keep in mind the the focus on the passion. So cultivating communities for others, really no matter what it looks like, because as we talked before, there's so many shiny objects and new trends in our industry and really look at not getting lost in those shiny objects, but keeping the vision in mind, no matter how that looks. I love that. Keep the vision in mind. And you're right. I think that's, 
you know, as a consultant, it's one thing that I have to remind others and myself is like, Mm -hmm. the more you grow, the more opportunities you're going to have. And they all seem really cool. Not all of them. Most of them seem really cool. But you need to do like one out of five, maybe one out of 10, depending on how many are being thrown your way. (laughs) Um, I meant to ask this earlier. So I'm going to kind of go back to the, the bigger questions. You, the number one thing as a leader you mentioned is building culture or being culture driven. Do you have mm-hmm. any advice for developing culture in the workplace or for stimulating that and being consistent with it? Yeah, with, with culture, it absolutely, it, the biggest thing is to involve your team with creating the culture. And so um, one thing that we did in, in the first year of Zilco Media is we sat down as a team and decided our core values and principles together. And we actually wrote out descriptions for each of these, what they look like and what they meant for our team. And we look at these as a team every single quarter. And the core values stay the same, but the descriptions might need to be revised based on the environment for that quarter and what that means for us. Um, And we really focus on hiring based on these core values. And we also do our annual reviews based on these core values as well. Um, We also created a culture book in addition to our handbook because the handbook has all the boring legal stuff, but the culture book really just talks about um, what we envision our culture to be, what that looks like, what that feels like. Um, We also established a culture committee within our team that keeps all of this fun initiative top of mind. And so, one thing I always do kind of in one-on-one conversations with our team members and especially um, in this environment right now where so many of us are working full-time remote, um, I always ask my team members if they are fulfilled and having fun because if the answer is no, we've got to sit down and solve what that issue is because our culture is all about what we call good vibes. And if for some reason a client doesn't have good vibes. We don't have a good vibes. It's, it's all about solving down and solving that issue immediately. I love that so much. I think that's so valuable. And I, the culture book, the culture committee, those are all fantastic. And maybe not everybody <laughs> can do that. Maybe everyone's team isn't big enough to have a committee, but having it on the front of your mind is so valuable um, in order to keep people these days. Because yeah, like us, like, every employee might have some shiny objects too. And so it's like, we got to keep right. them focused on the, on the vision and the mission and the values. Um, so I love yeah, it. It's just a lot of fun too. Yeah. And you, you know, everyone has a, we have a job to do. Um, mm-hmm. We have to turn a profit. We have to reach people, but hopefully every day we can have some fun. Um, right. It may not always be as fun as the day before or whatever, um, but sprinkling a little bit of fun there is so valuable. Um, so for you, uh, what are some books, maybe three books that have contributed to your, um, your leadership or your business acumen or just overall quality of life? What would you recommend? Yeah, my, my all-time favorite book is The Coaching Habit. Um, and this is Michael Bungay Stainer. Um, incredible book. It talks about seven questions that you keep in mind to not just be a leader or a manager, but to become a coach for your team. And so this has completely transformed the way I look at leadership. 
Um, another book, Emotional Agility by Susan David. This one's just a really good book in general, not only for business, but also for your personal life and just navigating relationships and navigating um, self-talk as well. This has done a lot to help my visualization, kind of those exercises I talked about earlier. Um, and another really big book that has completely transformed our business is Traction. Um, by Gina Wickman. I am a big believer in the EOS system. Um, and this is one that our entire team has read. There's also um, other books on how to be a great boss. And there's also one on what the heck is EOS, which stands for Entrepreneur um, Operation System. And so it's just been a big one to help us gain what they call traction um, at a faster speed. I've actually never um, read that, but I think I've heard about it. So I'll have to add that one to my list. Um, going a little off the uh, itinerary that I have here, um, <laughs> side note, sort of a plug. I'm actually publishing a book. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it should be published by, I would say by December. Um, and so knowing that, I mean, it's written. I have like the editorial review this week. Um, what are your couple recommendations from your experience, like just super high level helicopter view recommendations for someone publishing a book in the next couple months? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is engage your, engage your audience and the people around you throughout the process, because they're just, they're going to be just as excited as you are to read and consume your book. Um, I would find a way to really personalize the message and have everyone um, find a way to kind of self-diagnose or personalize whatever your book's about, which I, I am excited to read. So please send it my way um, once it's published. But um, you know, finding ways for, for people to become part of it and be part of the launch, that's one of the really big things that... Um, our team focuses on and what we see a lot of success is when you involve your community in the excitement of your book launch. Thank you for that. I appreciate the advice. It's uh, called, this is going to maybe blow your mind. It's called the self-help book. Um, and that name wasn't taken. Uh, I, I was like, wow, I know. Um, so it's called the self-help <laughs> book, six practical ways to never stop growing. And um, awesome. Super excited about it. It should be just under 100 pages. Uh, and I wanted to keep it short because I think that self-help books should be short. Um, I love that. But I will definitely reach back out to you whenever I get, I guess, a couple prints. I know I get like 100 yeah. or something like that. So I'll mail you one for sure. I appreciate your Me advice. Too. Um, so two more questions. And these are some of my favorite questions. They're so interesting. And I actually got them from Tim Ferriss, who's the king of interviews. Um, so I have to give them credit, but what's one of the best purchases you've made for under a hundred dollars in the last three months? (laughs) This one might be really bad, but it's my husband's wedding ring. Wow. (laughs) He, uh, he, he wanted something really simple and wasn't picky. And again, we're in COVID, so we couldn't go shopping, 
um, for a wedding ring. And so um, I found one that he liked online on the Blue Nile website. And it was a bit over $100. And now I'm one of those crazy couponers. I literally use coupons on everything. And so I searched the internet to find the right combination because there's certain ones that you can't pair um, and took the ring under $100. And so that's my favorite thing to tell everyone is I use coupons on my husband's wedding ring. <laughs> I love it. Hey, that's not what it's, it's about love. It's not about the, right? the cost of the ring, at least for the guy. Um, <laughs> and last but not least, if you could put anything on a, you know, a big blank white billboard over the busiest street that you know, maybe... Times Square or something, what would it say? Mm, I really love this question. Um, I would say ownership is key. Um, Just ownership as a word, just over your life, your relationships, your job, and especially your brand um, is is key long-term. And so just having that ownership is so important. And I think a a good message for, for everyone out there who is getting caught up in the little things. That's so good. Um, Paige, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm, I'm positive that it's going to add a ton of value to our audience. And um, I will have the show notes uh, wherever you find podcasts. I'll have the show notes in there. I'll also have your Instagram, your website, um, and everything else. But how can people find you? What are the best uh, avenues to, to reach you? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on zilkermedia.com or you can find me on social media at Paige Velasquez. Um, we are actually, I, just a quick plug here, we're uh, launching a new digital platform um, this month called Zilker Academy. And that's going to be an online learning p- platform just to learn how to advance your personal brand and really build mission-driven thought leadership. And so you'll be able to go to zilkeracademy.com and learn more from there. Thank you so much, Paige. I'm excited for the new platform and I'm sure the audience is too. And uh, hopefully I'll get to talk to you soon. Until then, have an awesome day.